0: Doing on a pizza grass, walking down the road. Tell me how long you gonna stay here, Joe. Some people say this
1: town don't look good in snow.
2: You don't care. Look at you. Another week we're here. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bellanger. Today's episode brought to you by ProLineStadium.com, Atlantic Canada's home field for great sports betting. The latest ProLine offers are in, and you can earn up to $100, that'd be some nice Christmas money, $100 in tokens until December 31st. Spend the amount of $25 or more on a single wager on ProLine or stadium bets from December 5th all the way up to the 31st and receive a $10 token that can be used on Fantasy, okay? A total of 10 tokens can be earned during this promotional period. That's up to $100 towards ProLine Fantasy. Tokens earned must be used by January 31st, 2023. Bet on ProLine all season long at ProLineStadium.com or download the ALC app. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age or older. The guest that I am about to announce today on the High Button Podcast has World Junior experience, hence very fitting for him to be on here today. The guest that I am about to announce has been drafted to the National Hockey League by the Calgary Flames in the second round, 34th overall in 2014. The guest that I am about to announce has played for the Halifax Max, the team that I used to play on. The guest is Mason mcdonald mason and i actually go to the same gym we were in the sauna yesterday and we got to chatting about the world juniors and uh, i thought what well, it's it's a perfect fitting you got to come on the podcast and, and talk about the behind the scenes experience with everything that happened uh i guess within the world juniors i'd love to talk to him uh essentially about the mindset of as soon as training camp's done, you're on the team, you know you're there. Now what's next? Because that's essentially what these boys right now for Team Canada are going through, getting to know each other um, and building a chemistry so when they come to Halifax, they can uh, chase that gold medal that everyone's after. Um, So I thought it was great that Mason uh, was able to come on today. A little bit of background uh, of Mason grew up in Halifax. Uh, Like I said, played for, well, they were called the Halifax Titans back then, back when I played the Halifax McDonald's. They're still the Halifax McDonald's, but they had a little name change there for a bit. Uh, Played in the queue for uh, Acadie Bathurst. Also played for Charlottetown as well. Um, When he was in his 20 or 19-year-old year, year, excuse me, with Charlottetown. uh, Played on the World Junior Team. uh, And also... Getting drafted to the NHL by the Calgary Flames in 2014, second round. After that, moving on to the AHL, East Coast, and now currently resigns in Halifax. Um, Mason and I talk every now and then at the gym. You know how it is when you're working. You just run into each other and you say, What's up? What's new? How are you? How's life? um and it was just a matter of time before he came on the podcast and today is the day i cannot wait to talk to him uh, and get some good stories out of him so without further ado this is mason mcdonald i'm justin belanger this is the high button podcast here we go you know what comes next all right we're going now mason welcome to the high button podcast brother happy to have you here like i was saying earlier great timing your World Junior background with the World Juniors coming here, I'm uh, I'm really happy to have you. And like I said, also, we've been working out, I feel like, together for the past
1: two years. I see you at the gym every day, so great timing. Yes, thanks for having me on, Belly. How, yeah. How's life? Uh, life's good, you know. It's, uh, it's a lot more simple uh, post-hockey. Kind of just, uh, you know, live day by day. Kind of just take it easy. Enjoy time with family and friends. And yeah. It's a lot different uh, not going away every winter now and kind of just living a simple life
2: absolutely yeah it's an interesting transition for everyone that plays hockey for a majority of their life and then they kind of not that they enter the real world but they just enter a, a i guess a less fantasized life where you have to just uh i don't know move and groove and, and try to make a living but it's it's uh everyone has to go through it
1: yeah you know i'm used to going away every winter kind of traveling going across country going from here to there getting sent up sent down the call-ups uh, yeah getting yeah. sent down it's uh it's quite different now, just working as a bartender and kind of just living at home. It's uh, it's a big transition, especially this time of year, Christmas. The best, you're with family, you're with friends, you're home. It's it's a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, the only hockey I play is a little bit of ball hockey. I sit at home, watch uh, watch the NHL on TV, and uh, that's uh, that's about all I I uh, involve myself in the sport. And at this point,
2: that's awesome. Yeah. So you
1: grew up in Halifax, correct? I did. I grew up in the North End, Halifax. Yeah. Okay, and then Halifax Hawks guy. Yep. Yeah, Halifax Hawks, Halifax Max, and uh, then moved on to junior in Bathurst and Charlottetown.
2: Were you ever one of those goalies at the very beginning that played player and then said, no,
1: I don't like this, I want to go goalie? But how, did the, how did the goalie decision work for you? Yeah, so that was an interesting one. From when I was 5 to 10, you know, a novice, I was a player. Uh, I was pretty good at the time, you know, even just being young. But uh, people thought I was crazy when I made the transition to goalie. <laughs> uh, the coaches going into Adam AAA a were like, kind of like, what are you doing, like, you're going to be one of our best players going into Adam here. Closer. Yeah. And, uh, you it's know, it all, it all worked out. I, was, I ended up pretty, being pretty good at it right away. And, you know, uh, I made the transition over the summer from novice to Adam. And, uh, you know, I kind of hit it off with it right away. Just fell in love with it.
2: Interesting. Did you play any other sports that, like, uh, inter- interpreted your hand-eye coordination? Or was it just hockey only for well, you? Well,
1: I was a catcher in baseball. So that really is okay. what kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me got me into it i guess uh played catcher in baseball it's kind of like playing goalie you're trying to stop the ball from going to the backstop every time you so, get the hop yeah and i was always a fan of the gear growing up so i think the gear is what really caught my eye uh being young
2: in the higher levels you play the more customized gear you get you get to pick the color schemes and stuff so when that happened for you 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 must have been psyched
1: oh and junior and uh junior when you get to pick your you know either your paint for your helmet and stuff that was probably the coolest time of life you know yeah <laughs> You go from being a white and black helmet and minor hockey and midget to getting to pick up what goes on your helmet and that was that was pretty awesome.
2: So what was it the first thing that came extremely natural to you about being a goaltender? Was it your hips? Was it your moving from side to side side to side? Was it your hand eye coordination? What what was it about your your overall being that allowed you to be somewhat natural at
1: being a goaltender? <sighs> I'd say a little bit of the movement, maybe my size, honestly, being 6'4". Always being tall, kind of growing up, and I remember the first time I tried goalie was up at the North End Rink as a kid. Oh, by the
2: fire courts? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I tried it as a righty. Uh, I didn't really know the difference, so I put the gloves on. Something didn't feel right. I told my dad, I said, Dad, like, this doesn't feel right. Can you go get me something else? And so we went back home, grabbed me a hockey glove and a baseball mitt. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember I put that on, and uh, it felt natural right away, and that's how I figured out that I was a uh, southpaw, naturally. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's funny. So how yeah. old were you when that would have happened? Well, I wasn't that old. I was probably only seven or eight years old when that happened. So the Adam Novice train, like that time? Yeah, that was when I was kind of figuring out that I kind of wanted to try to be a goalie, and I think that was the first time I'd ever put it on and tried to went in the, go in the net with it, and that's how I figured out... Uh, Yeah, Southpaw.
2: Were you always a AAA guy coming up at at the younger ages?
1: I was, yeah. Yeah. I think every year that I played growing up, you know, Adam threw midget. We had won provincials. No way. Yeah. Yeah, every second year it was Steve Benton, Granberg, just coaching me. uh, (laughs) So uh, it was Kelly, Bryce, you know, those guys. We we had uh, some pretty good teams growing up. Did you like having the
2: responsibility of, not as a responsibility, but did you like the feeling of, okay, if my, t- if my team's playing like shit, I could steal the game for everyone? Did you like that pressure and that weight on you?
1: Uh, being younger, I did, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's something as a goalie where as I got older, the pressure kind of wore on me. And, uh, you know, I think that's why I didn't end up falling in love with the sport as much as I could have originally. But, uh, you know, when I was young, we always had a good team in front of me. So it was a, they made my job a lot easier uh, in minor hockey. Yeah, the Hawks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always the, the city teams. whos who,
2: is who? Were there is there any names that you can mention that you played with of the Hawks growing up?
1: Yeah, Ryan Falkenham was one oh, guy. He? he was always the team captain and okay. stuff. And Kelly Bent and Bryce Burgess. Yeah. you know Jordan Yachov was another guy. You'd probably see him at the gym sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, he was always up there. Uh, I'm trying to think of other guys. Bryce and Tomczyk. Yeah. Jordan Bazantz and all those guys. Those were the triple-a guys growing up
2: and then how did uh, the max come into play because i'm part the t- the titans back then it was the you titans played.
1: yeah yeah kirk was the coach it was the Taylor made titans at the time
2: because back then couldn't you pick and choose where you wanted to go
1: yes you c- can you not do that anymore no i think it's territorial
2: oh now. really yeah well, so yeah, so no, how did could... the
1: the decision go for you to go there i think they just had their eye on me from from Bantamon, and i think it was a no-brainer, really. My dad played for the McDonald's back in the day, and uh, even though they weren't the Macs at the time, it was kind of an easy easy decision to stick in Halifax when they wanted you, I wanted to play there. It was kind of just uh, a no-brainer for me. Okay, nice. Yeah. Were you rattled a little bit that they were called the Titans? Uh, looking back <laughs> at it, you know, they've been the McDonald's before and after now, so t- for them to not be called the McDonald's then, yeah, I'm a- I was a little rattled, and still kind of am, but you know it's, it's, no it's still it's major midget but uh <laughs> it would have been nice to wear that uh big m on your on your chest at the time i was the last i know they're the max now but i was the last year right
2: before they switched to the titans with the max so i don't know we must have done something bad to drop the sponsorship but yeah. we were that last year and we got to i got i think i have two jerseys with me because the next year they were the titans so they didn't really care about the jersey so luckily i got to take them home and they're the thick
1: crested four pound jerseys like the 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 old school ones just pumped to like have it yeah, that would be a nice memorabilia piece to have. I still have my Titans jersey, but uh, I don't think it's as heavy duty as you say these Max ones were.
2: Oh, they were so thick. Like, that transition of going from midget to junior was when that, like, Reebok Edge material came out. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going to a Moosehead camp, and they had these new, fresh Reebok Edge jerseys, and they were just incredibly, it was like, you know, they started to introduce technology into hockey in that year. It's like everything's lighter, quicker, faster. And I'll never forget, I uh, I never, I didn't, I didn't get one of the jerseys. I was just a call-up, and I got one of these old-school jerseys. I felt like a bum, and all these other guys got these brand-new jerseys. That was I with the Moosehead's. Like the Moosehead's training yeah. camp. I didn't even have a name bar. They forgot my name yeah. bar. <laughs> but whatever. You roll with the punches, and you make it work. Mm-hmm. Going into the queue, you got drafted by Titan.
1: Yes, Bathurst. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was the second round, 20th pick at the time. The draft was in Quebec City. I remember the whole family went up. Uh, it was a pretty special day. Oh, you went up, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody... Everybody kind of goes up for their Q draft and wants to be there and stuff. Absolutely. You know, yeah, growing up, it's obviously a dream, watching the moose sets and stuff. When you want to play in that league. Oh, and yeah. When you finally get drafted to it, it's a pretty exciting moment.
2: When you're playing for uh, the Titans, not the Titans, the Titans in Major Midget, mm-hmm. and you start to see scouts come by with the pea coat, and they got the, the they got the clipboard, and they're starting to write notes, at what point in your head you go, oh, okay, wait a second, maybe I can go somewhere with this hockey game? Or did that come earlier in life where you're like, oh, maybe I can do something with this?
1: Yeah, I always kind of dreamed of, you know, moving up to the major junior level growing up. Okay. And then in midgets, you know, in Monctonian tournament rolls around. And then you go up to Gatineau for the tournament uh, in yeah. January there. And you start seeing the scouts, and the scouts start talking to you. And you'd have an agent at the time, and it kind of just all starts to come together. And you start to realize that it's a possibility that you're going to move on to play junior hockey. And uh, then the end of the year rolls around. You start talking to more teams. You have the combine. Uh, you're going and doing this and that. And uh, then it all really just comes together.
2: Did you like that aspect of it, of the maybe more professional side of the game, or did you just focus on maybe more of the having fun side of the game? Like, because you know when junior comes, it's like, all right, you got to be up for these workouts. You got to be eating right. There's the certain things that come into the game that weren't necessarily there when you're just having fun with it did, did it come naturally to you that stuff
1: yeah it really hits you kind of when you get to camp as a 16 year old going into it yeah. uh you're going in with 20 year olds and you know growing up minor hockey you're only ever playing with guys that are a year older or a year younger so going in at 16 you got 20 year olds i was playing with zach o'brien matt bisonette and brandon hines i think were my 20 year olds in bathurst and uh, these guys are kind of intimidating yeah, they're going big in boys. At sixteen they yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they were good hockey players at the time. So you're going in, you know, Brandon Hines is coming down, wiring shots past your ears, 20-year-old, <laughs> and you've got gear from Midget that's not matching going into camp. And, uh, you know, even when I was 16 and when I got my first set in Bathurst, I remember something got messed up in the communication with my pads and gloves that my pads ended up being red and my gloves ended up being white in Bathurst. And I remember Quebec City came to town and Patrick Waugh was the coach. And he went up to my coach and he's like, Is your goal? There's something wrong with your goalie. Could he not just get matching clear? And what's wrong? Like, what's going on here? And I remember being embarrassed about that because. Well, I I didn't think it was my fault. I wanted all red gear when I was 16, and somehow my gloves ended up being white. But uh, I guess there was just a miscommunication between me and Reebok at the time. See,
2: there's something about going to the queue the first year. It's never smooth. You don't get the good jersey. You don't get a name
1: bar, or your pads are red and your gloves are white. There's always something. Or maybe
2: it's against Maritime Boys. I don't know what it is, the Quebec League. I don't know. But that's funny. Yeah, we
1: only had a handful of Maritime guys. It was me and Jake Brennan, Adam Stevens, uh, Brandon Hines, I can't remember if we had any more at the time, but uh, we had a good little group of uh, the English guys up in up in Bathurst there when I was sixteen.
2: It's the like it's it's night and day having. Well, oh, I've never been during the nighttime of going to an away team and not having a Nova Scotian or just someone you know. It's such yeah. a breath of fresh air going into a room and just seeing a familiar face. You are like, oh fuck, thank you. Mm-hmm. How are you? How's life? How's your billet? How, what do you, just to be able to sit down and talk so, to someone, not that there's anything wrong with meeting new people and, and, and making new friends, but just having a familiar face. Jared Grant was that guy for me and just having someone there like, hey man, how are you? What's up? What's new? Will introduce me to some people? It's, it's the best feeling. Yeah, any level, no, any uh, level even, of hockey.
1: Even Adam, Adam Stevens and Jake Brennan, I didn't really know them growing up playing minor hockey. They were a couple uh, years yeah. older than me. Yeah, so, they uh, so they were really welcoming to me when I got there. Uh, they kind of, kind of helped me get into it uh, not feel as much on the outside as I uh, did originally yeah you know they got uh, they got me feeling comfortable up there so awesome yeah
2: so when Zach O'Brien's ripping shots by your head how long did it take you to figure out the timing of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League
1: oh it was Brandon Hines ripping the shots by my head he had a a hard shot O'Brien would go five hole every time he could somehow score five hole every time he was the guy that scored 50 goals and you know, he got drafted, or no, he got invited to San Jose camp but yeah. Midgets, I believe, Zach O'Brien.
2: Yeah, he did. I remember he was at that, he was at a tournament in Midget the
1: year before you got there. Yeah.
2: And somehow he was invited to a San Jose camp playing Midget. How like, I was pissing my pants before we played. I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, he must have scored 150 goals or something or something like that because nobody gets invited to an NHL camp but a Midgets. That's oh, yeah, just yeah, unheard of.
2: Sorry. Anyways, back to the question. How yeah, long yeah. did it take you to <laughs> figure out the, the timing?
1: Ah. Uh, I'd say my whole 16-year-old year year was kind of a process of, you know, learning the league, learning this. Uh, We had a coaching change during that time. Uh, You know, it was kind of different. And then going into my 17-year-old year, year, uh, I believe there was an under-18 tournament before that year, and I kind of got some confidence going into it. Uh, And then when I started my 17-year-old season, that's when I kind of, you know, came into the realization that, you know, I could, I could be a good goalie in this league, and it was my draft year that year, so I, I really needed some confidence. I needed to play the games, get in the net, show the scouts what I had going into the uh, NHL draft year, and that's when I kind of got my confidence was uh, that season.
2: Who did you get to skate with in the summer of that 17-year-old year? Who, who were you on the ice with?
1: Uh, I think all my years in junior, I got on the ice with Crosby and those guys. Okay. Yeah, Crosby, McKinnon, Sean O'Donnell, you know, that group of guys. Uh, they have a pretty good yeah. selective group of guys that they have out. And uh, Does that help your confidence, or does that kind of go, oh, these
2: – but then again, if you get scored on, it's the best in the world, so it can't hurt you that much.
1: Yeah, I'd say it did help my confidence. You yeah. know, even if I was getting lit up out there, it was <laughs> kind of like at the end of the day, you'd step off the ice, and uh, you'd realize who you're up against, so – uh, even if even if you had some tough practices that you'd go back and be facing slower shots after that so oh yeah it that's really a good sl- call it would slow the game down quite a bit I remember
2: watching uh, in that uh, – what was the – the and They have that Q Cup, the Q game, the Q scout. You know that – did you play in that game? Yeah,
1: yeah. Everybody wants to play in that yeah. game with the Q logo on it. The Q on, logo. Yeah,
2: the, I, yeah. I remember I didn't play in it, unfortunately, but I remember watching it, and it was the best of the best players in midget. And the pace of the game, obviously I'm not watching the goalie. I'm watching the players, but the, the passes were so crisp. The shots were a lot harder. It's the best of the best. Um, but playing in that game as a goalie, did you notice right then and there, even before your junior career, oh, okay, whoa, this is – a little bit quicker, a little bit a little higher higher tempo. Did you notice in that game at all?
1: Uh I'm trying to think back to that game. Uh, I can't even remember how it went for me, honestly. Uh, okay. You know, I probably just it was probably just another game for me because we had a pretty good team uh, in Halifax and midget. Yeah, yeah. So we had a we had a lot of good guys shooting on me in practice and stuff, and so I was probably pretty ready for that game going into it.
2: So when the scouts say, "Okay, look, uh, Mason, you're going to go to the queue." You're going to be a 16-year-old. You're going to have fun. You're going to work. You're going to develop. Uh, did you believe him? Did you have confidence then, even at 16, going, okay, I can play here? Because players, it's a lot different. Players, it's – I don't know. It's tough to fit in at 16 in the queue. But as a goalie, did you feel you you, you held up your name?
1: I'd say it's, at 16, it was a little more difficult uh, getting the confidence. I'd say it was only really after my 16-year-old year, having that under-18 experience, yeah. and then coming into my 17-year-old year is where I really got the confidence. Uh, being 16, you had some tough games. You had some good games. It was kind of up and down. You got Patty Waugh chirping you? I got Patty Waugh yeah. chirping me. You know, it's kind of more of a more of like a learning year yeah. than, uh, than anything.
2: And then after all this, getting uh, uh, traded to Charlottetown, what's the feeling?
1: Uh, I'd say that's what changed my whole junior career. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't getting as much playing time as I had wanted in Bathurst at the start there. And when I went over to Charlottetown, it was me and Eric Brasard. And uh, for the last half of that year, we kind of just split games one for one. Uh, I was getting in the net more than I was in Bathurst, and I was getting the playing time that I needed to end up getting drafted to the uh, NHL. Okay. And uh, that's what really kind of helped me get my confidence. At the end of that year, there was another 18 over in uh, Finland, and that's where I really kind of took off, and uh, I was the top goalie in that tournament. And that's kind of what helped me get drafted at 34th overall Wow! at the end of the day, yeah. Where was the draft at? It was in Philadelphia. Did you go? I did, yeah. yeah, Obviously, second round. My family, grandparents, parents, brother, sister, we all went down. That's incredible. Made a nice weekend of it. It was fun. What an experience. Yeah. Did you get a Philly cheesesteak? I did, yeah. Yeah, I went to a Phillies game, got the Philly cheesesteak, did (laughs) about everything you could do in (laughs) the time of June that year, so.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. So at the time, what's your agent saying to you? Just sit tight? like what did you have an idea that it was going to be calgary Do, how many teams
1: were you talking to did you have meetings i didn't have an idea it was going to be calgary i kind of thought it was going to be florida going oh. into it yeah
2: luanga would have been there at the time too no
1: yeah yeah and uh i knew i had a good scouting combine i was uh, pretty good at interviews at the time i was kind of training for it i had a good under 18 tournament right, be t- right before that uh, i tested well physically at the combine uh you know i was feeling pretty good going into that draft and I thought there was a chance that I was going to go in the first round. Uh, it's, it was at the at the time it was tough for goalies to go in the first round. I think there was only one in three years that had went in the first round. Fuka,
2: no, Foucault went second.
1: Fukali went second. Who's round. the
2: guy that went first round?
1: There was none in my draft. And then the year after me, it was Samsonov, I think. The uh, year before, I think Foucault might have been the first guy taken. At,
2: Montreal second round. Yeah, second
1: and... round. So there was kind of a lull year for goalies going in the first round. Yeah. So I knew the odds of me going in the first round weren't too great that first night in Philly. But uh, I didn't have to sit in the stands too long on that Saturday. So Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: That's nice. So yeah. when as soon as you get drafted, is, a, is it a whirlwind behind the, st- behind the scenes?
1: Oh, yeah. Your head just, it's, you know, it's rushing through your head. The adrenaline's going. You're kind of like, is this real? Uh, what's going on? They're taking you down, doing interviews, going through the media, taking pictures, doing this, doing that. And uh, it's like a three- or four-hour process until you actually get to go back and see your family again and kind of just settle down
2: that's awesome yeah just to be able to have that experience you have the jersey i'm assuming
1: still i do yeah and to have your family there as well just what an experience in life oh it was awesome i remember that night uh i think calgary invited my whole family over to the ritz carlton hotel downtown there for like a little welcoming get together and it was pretty fancy stuff down there and yeah the ritz oh yeah. yeah 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 it was pretty nice and you know to have them down there to have my, uh, me and my family down there like that and kind of just welcome us in it was uh pretty cool
2: canadian team too that's kind of special as well
1: yeah yeah brian burke was one of the guys one of the head guys that really wanted me uh no way yeah he uh he said he really liked my interview uh Really liked me as a goalie. He was one of the guys that really vouched for me at the time. That's crazy. Yeah.
2: What are some of the, like, unique questions they ask you during the interview? There's always random questions. Was there one that sticks out to you? Like, why would you ask me that?
1: I feel like they always throw a weird one in there, like, what's your favorite alcohol? Or, <laughs> you know, do you, do you do this off the ice? They're trying to, like, pick stuff out of you that... And, make uh, you look, uncomfortable. Yeah, make you uncomfortable. Look for a reaction. Kind of try and get something out of you that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't want you to answer kind of thing. and. You know, you kind of just got to kind of deflect whatever they throw at you and kind of play it cool. And yeah, it's, it's, I can't remember the specific questions, but I feel like they asked me what my favorite beer was and how often I'd like, what'd you say, Keith's beers? Like, oh, I can't remember. <laughs> <one time>. Maybe <laughs> Olin's or Keith's <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Homegrown. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
2: So then, <clears throat> excuse me, after all of this, the whirlwind of everything, at what point does like the world junior buzz like start trickling in your ear?
1: I'd say. You know, after I got top goaltender at the under-18 tournament in Finland, you're going into your 18-year-old year year in junior. I had a pretty good year that year. And then the buzz really starts coming around, like, uh, I'd say that summer. And then going into my 19-year-old season, which is my world junior season, I'd say the start of the year didn't go, you know, as well as I wanted it to. In Charlottetown? In Charlottetown, yeah. Because I had a good 18-year-old year. I had a lot of confidence going into 19, but then you know the pressure of uh, this guy could be going to world juniors kind of starts coming around and i'm not playing as well as i want to yeah i know i have camp coming up in december for that selection camp that they just had here in moncton like that type of thing
2: oh that thing the yeah yeah, like yeah where you the go and play the u sports yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: and so they ended up picking me i didn't have the best start to that year they ended up picking me for it and uh when i got to that camp i kind of just settled down now that i was there i was kind of I think they only took 3 goalies to that camp and there's 3 goalies going to the tournament so there wasn't too much pressure of you know having to worry about being cut so I kind of just settled into it that way yeah rather than having to worry about like making this cut making this cut type of thing and Yeah, you know, I think that kind of helped me going into the tournament
2: 100% knowing that your spots kind of solidified and you can just go out and be yourself. Yeah, that's nice.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a lot, uh, a lot easier doing it that way than having to worry about uh, getting the snip.
2: So as soon as the team is picked, what's the next step? Is it build chemistry? Is it build lines? Is it what's the next step of the, the process?
1: Yeah, so we had that little camp there. We had the two games against the U Sports, and then I remember we went back to the Toronto Hotel, the Sheraton, by the airport, where they brought everybody into a room, one by one, and told you if you had made the team or not.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. So the guys oh one by one
1: sorry okay, Yeah, thought- well, no 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 not uh, not everybody oh, yeah yeah, okay. yeah. so yeah. everybody's kind of waiting around for their time to go in and like miracle
2: those. when they're sitting in the stands and like all right yeah. Aruzioni, you're good like just yeah anyone else get out of here mm-hmm. so one by one okay that's yeah good. and
1: then after that i believe we practiced in toronto for a day or two and then head over to finland for pre-tournament games practices everything to get ready for the tournament
2: have you ever been to finland before that experience
1: I had for the under 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was a little bit of sense of familiarity familiarity being over there. Yeah, and I had a pretty good tournament with that under 18. So going back to Finland to play hockey again, it was like, oh, I'm comfortable with this. You know, the Olympic ice, i already used to this. Yeah. So there's a little bit of uh, a more comfortable feel going for the world juniors.
2: How many guys were on that World Junior team that were on that U18 team as well? Quite a bit. Oh yeah, I'd so say there's a like lot of
1: people. 70 percent of the team was probably the same. Wow. Yeah.
2: So everyone kind of had a little bit of uh,
1: okay, I know what we're doing over here. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember exact names that were on both teams, but I know there was a good chunk that were on the that were the same team.
2: What's Helsinki like?
1: It's nice. It's kind of yeah. like an old uh, an older town. It's got the stone roads. Uh, not, not the tall buildings you see in New York or anything like that. The, definitely a European vibe town. Yeah. Uh, nice, though. Nice and clean. Uh, good people. Good food. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Was
2: there any point while you were over there that thought, okay, this is a tryout for the Calgary Flames? Or was it, no, i got to represent Canada?
1: No, it was definitely uh, representing Canada yeah. was the main focus. Uh, you know, you go out there for the first game against the States. You've got 7,000 Canadians there that you're not expecting to see. I didn't think there was going to be that many Canadians that would make the trip over and travel like that. But you walk out of that tunnel and you go for warm-ups and there's 5,000 Canadians in the stands and the crowd is buzzing. So it is loud in there. There's a lot of Canadians and, you know, it feels like you're in Canada almost. Was So you've, you've put the Canadian jersey on before already,
2: before the World Junior experience, and I'm sure it's an amazing feeling, but was there any, a little bit more, maybe, satisfaction putting the World Junior Team Canada jersey on, or is it all the same? Is it all the same getting to put that jersey on?
1: No, I'd say the World Junior was a little more special, for sure. You know, you grow up as a kid watching the World Juniors every year. You've got memories of Everly and, you know, all these different things going on as a, as a kid, and now you're there, so... It's kind of surreal. I remember stepping out onto the ice, and my legs were shaking. (laughs) I was really nervous at the time. Uh, You know, you get out there, though, you make a save or two, and all of a sudden, you're you're comfortable again. You're just playing hockey. Exactly, yeah. That's incredible. How much,
2: obviously, there's phones back then, but was it a distraction, your phone, like people back home? Good luck. How are you? Was that?
1: So for the under-18 tournaments, I remember they took our phones, and we got them for about an hour a day. And I can't remember if they took them for World Juniors or not. I feel like they might have and maybe gave them to okay. us for an hour and did the same thing like that. But they definitely wanted us staying off like social media and staying away from like the negative comments that people would have if you were not winning games or not performing to definitely. the standards of what people expected you to perform at. Uh, they definitely want us to, uh, you to keep away from the social media part of it. It's
2: kind of smart. H- how did the players react to that? Were they a little pissed off, or were they just like, yeah, I get it? it
1: no, was- I think everybody definitely got it. You know, you don't want to log on to Twitter. If you lose a game 2-1 and see that, you know, you're the blame for that, for that loss at 2-1 or anything like that.
2: And you guys are just kids.
1: Oh, exactly. Like, you're just- you have, like... You know, user eight seven four five four. Yeah, forty four years old <laughs> truck driver around. driving to Calgary.
2: Yeah, this yeah. this Mason McDonald letting a, yeah yeah. You know, it's
1: it's true. Yeah, you kind of want to stay away from that and stay away from any sort of negativity during that time because you got to stay positive. It's a short tournament. Yeah. Uh, you got about six or seven days to play the four round robin games. And after that, it's right into the quarterfinal.
2: This is my thought process on Dumas. You know Dumas from the Halifax Mooseheads got cut? Yeah, I saw that. And it's interesting because when I look at the World Juniors, I go, okay, this is a tournament that you need to score. You need to perform. It's not a tournament where it's defend, protect the lead, and go from there. F- correct me if I'm wrong, but these tournaments are produce, score, win. And when I saw Dumas get cut, I was a little little confused. I Second think leading scorer. Uh, I think
1: everybody was a little confused, but, you know, Hockey Canada has their guys, uh, they have a top six probably of all scoring guys that are going to put up 100 points. And so, you know, after that, for the bottom six, you don't really want to have a 120-point guy playing the third line on the left wing. You probably want to fill that role with a with a guy that's, I don't know, gonna going to play a little bit more defense. You kind of rely on your top six for the scoring and then... I feel like Hockey Canada kind of builds their teams that way.
2: He's 18, too. Yeah, he, he another shot year. at it,
1: yeah. Yeah, I feel for him, especially because he's leading the league in goals. And, and it's in Halifax. Second, yeah, second in CHL in points. But, you know, Hockey Canada has their way, and they uh, stick to that way. I guess that's why I'm
2: not coaching. Yeah. <laughs> see. Kidney as well. It's, it's a rough go. I know he got hurt. Yeah. I don't know I what the injury was. Had to have was. played
1: into the decision for that being hurt because he was on the team he was on the team last year he's a local kid Uh, that's the only reason I could see him not making the team is because of the injury
2: and it's interesting like a lot of people were we talk about Twitter a lot of people were upset about Dumas not being on the roster because he's second in scoring behind Bedard in the CHL and it's in Halifax and it just at the end of the day I think a lot of people on social media were upset in Halifax because they pay a lot of money for these tickets and they feel financially invested to see the best product on the ice and when they don't get to see a home not a hometown boy but a guy that's playing here for the Halifax Mooseheads, I think that's where the 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 feathers get a little r- ruffled
1: yeah I could see yeah, I could see people being rattled about that for sure but but you I also know, know Hockey what, Canada yeah. also wants to have 19 year old guys yeah you know a little if they have a guy that has a little more experience they want to they, they build a team to win they know what they're doing Uh, I don't think the snub was anything against Halifax or against him. He's going to have another shot at it next year, so I hope that it does work out for him.
2: From inside uh, the dressing room, I'd assume that ego has a lot to do with being under control with the world juniors because you have all these guys who like you said they're just the best on their team they're the best in their league whatever but then they go and they're only playing you know 12 13 minutes on the world juniors how much did you see of that of guys when the room going okay i'm fine being on the fourth line left wing only playing seven minutes did you see a lot of that guys having their ego under control
1: yeah you kind of have to take a step back and realize that even if you're playing 25 minutes a night on the power play out in victoria that over in helsinki if your role is to be a shutdown Third line center, uh, chip in some offense here and there. You got to play that role, and uh, that's how the best teams in the World Juniors are built and win. Is everybody plays the role? Everybody comes together in that short time, and uh, you know that's how that's how they end up winning. Yeah, even yeah. the Olympics too. Imagine like yeah. NHL guys. Yeah, you
2: know, Sid goes for playing twenty two minutes to you know. 15 minutes something like that
1: yeah you know everybody's got to play their role you gotta you gotta take a step back put the ego aside uh, and make sure you put team first for sure Um, goalies I'm assuming most goalies are very uh, superstitious
2: maybe more than players
1: Uh, I'd say so I definitely had a routine I'd like to go through every game where do you mind going through it now oh yeah no I'd start off I'd do the same kind of stretches for 5-10 minutes, I'd roll the same body parts for 5-10 minutes, I'd have my juggling routine I'd go through, uh, I'd kind of sit there in my hoodie, put my hoodie on and kind of just get in the zone and visualize for 5-10 minutes and then I'd go play soccer with the guys and kind of just loosen up, try and relax before the game. Uh, I wasn't a guy that needed to be super, super serious at every point before the game, I could kind of just sit back and laugh with the guys, have a good time, stretch you know kick the soccer ball around but then 10 minutes before the game again you're back in that zone and you're ready to play how early do you like to be out in the tunnel before you go onto the ice because goals are
2: the guys that lead the boys out how early do you like to be out there
1: i actually would just go out last second oh Uh, yeah yeah no i didn't need to be out there for an extended period of time uh in the law i'd kind of rather just sit in the locker room and visualize rather than be out in the tunnel and have everybody staring at you and be on your (laughs) feet because you know it's a long game there and kind of want to just take as much rest when you're not uh, out on the ice as possible that's that's how I felt anyway
2: when you're in Helsinki for the world juniors was there anything in the rink they're like ah, I can't warm up there oh I can't stretch there because I'm assuming everyone has their own
1: dressing room all the teams so it's tight quarters (sighs) I can't remember how it was I feel like we had to move in and out of dressing rooms because there was only two rinks that we played in okay and those two dressing rooms were connected. like the tunnels were right there so I don't think we had our own dressing room I think we had no, to move what? in and out, yeah. Are yeah. you packing your but own But this gear? was we no, we'd hang it up and the equipment yeah. guys would do that for us and uh yeah, I think it was all moved in and out uh, yeah. accordingly, yeah. But in, Hel- in Halifax, I assume they'd have their own dressing rooms for sure. Yeah, they probably had move dressing room. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it wasn't like the uh, Metro Center there. It was kind of kind of a smaller concourse and a smaller smaller down below area it wasn't uh like the big tunnel they have here in halifax
2: it's crazy you say there was like eight thousand canadian fans in helsinki to watch you guys play talk about a dedicated fan base unbelievable yeah, yeah.
1: well i had my parents there my brother and my sister and then we had our close family friends all come over so there was like eight or ten of them that were there you know just because i was there and that was pretty cool uh, my brother's best friend growing up and uh one of my best friends still ben his family came over uh so it was uh it was pretty unique uh unique time it must be a party time for if you're not playing
2: like if the parents are there and it must be is Helsinki one of those towns
1: uh it is I can't remember what the drinking age there I know my brother my brother and his buddy were definitely younger my sister was younger at the time but I know my parents and uh, his parents definitely went out and had a good time
2: oh I couldn't imagine over in Europe too I love Europe Have you ever been to Czech Republic, like Prague? I have, yeah. That's That's where my first
1: under eighteen was. Was it? Yeah, not in Prague. I think it was Bratislava, but uh, I've heard Prague's a definitely a good time.
2: Oh, Prague's a great time. The only expensive part is getting there, but as soon as you're there, you're just having a great time. You could, yeah. Were you uh, there for hockey or lacrosse? Lacrosse. Yeah, there was a lacrosse tournament there, and you could get uh, one euro beers, and the food was delicious and really inexpensive. Uh, The people were friendly. I don't know. There was it was very uncommercialized. Like the you know, there's no advertisement, there's no billboards. It's just very. And Prague's a pretty big city, but this was years ago now. But I, I just remember Europe and Prague, the train, transportation, everything. You could just get around, have a great time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Europe those, in general.
1: Those European towns, they're all really quiet, really nice. Uh, it's not the big city, big vibe. You know, you get in North America, you're going to New York or San Francisco. It's kind of more of a dirty city. Yeah, Everywhere in Europe so clean and so nice. It's uh, a whole different world over there.
2: That's how I feel about the World Juniors being in these smaller cities. I I like that. You know, they're in Toronto. It's tough to, it's expensive. But here, Halifax, obviously I'm a little biased, but it's going to be a great time in this city for sure. Did you see the pictures of the games in Moncton?
1: I did, yeah. The U-sports, those games were like pretty packed. And so, Juiced. yeah, you know, the city's going to be buzzing here when it comes downtown. It's going to be probably pretty lit up every night that, that Canada's playing. So it's going to be a, an exciting time here in the next month or so.
2: We were talking yesterday in the sauna, about what games again do you have tickets for?
1: I have Canada, Germany, Canada, <coughs> Austria, and then the uh, Canada quarterfinal. So Canada uh, quarterfinal. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I can't see any of those games being too close, but... Uh, It'll be nice to get down there and uh see them play though. I know it's I'm I'm
2: on the borderline of okay, do I sell these, make some money and then just wait for the semis and
1: finals if they make it or do I go? It's Yeah, I'd say it, the, you know, the Boxing Day game's going to be close, whether that's the Czech one or Swedish one, and then the uh, the 31st game's going to be another good one. I can't remember what if they play the Czech on Boxing Day or Sweden on Boxing Day, but... I know, we were
2: doing, everyone in the sauna was debating this yesterday. No one knew.
1: Yeah, yeah. They have a close game that day and a close game on the 31st, and those two will probably be the better of the round robin.
2: Apparently on uh, like Facebook and Kijiji, there's a lot of uh, like scammers out there that have fake tickets, and they're just trying to make a quick buck. I saw like that. Apparently it's
1: a thing. Which is crazy, because, you know, you think you know if you're buying a ticket you'd want to see the person on video chat you'd want to kind of verify I'd probably want to meet up with them if I didn't buy them right from the site
2: yeah well it's interesting my tickets got sent to me and I was hoping for a physical it's I, I you know I'm not a big memorabilia guy but I'd mm-hmm. like to have a physical ticket on me so I can save and show someone years from now but they're all it's all on my phone I don't know yeah you got What's put so it funny in your, your I like Apple that.
1: Wallet now and that's it yeah. you take a screenshot maybe yeah <laughs> like what if
2: I lose my phone I lose my you know I, I don't yeah. know I just I'd like something physical just to have. From yeah, a year you might from have now. to take it to Walmart and just <laughs> screenshot <laughs> Get it, the Apple yeah. Wallet.
1: <laughs> I should. That's smart. Yeah. That's a good call. That might be the only way you can do that.
2: Then again, actually, no. Phone's all right. I just wish I had something physical. Because, yeah, every now and then you'll be in a basement or a garage or a shed and someone will pull out a
1: 2003 World Junior ticket. Mm-hmm. It's Canada versus. Uh, Germany, from back in 2003. Yeah, me and my brother, uh, my dad got us jerseys for that, and I still have my little Canada jersey from that tournament, which is pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the the tournament. That was the tournament that Fleury uh, had his gaff there, I think. Yeah, when he tried to play
2: it. Yeah, and then it hit Buddy. It hit Carter, I think, and then it bounced in.
1: Yeah. What? That was the next year? Was that the next year? Because Fleury
2: was on the team for two years in a row. He was here in Halifax.
1: Yeah, I was young. I can't remember how it all went down back then but yeah i, I remember he, him there. and his uh, yellow pads he mm-hmm. was trying they
2: had uh open practice open tryouts at the metro center for the public and you can go in and see all these guys and you're so young you don't realize really who's on the ice but thinking back to it now all the names that you got to see pretty cool stuff I think they're having open uh, open practices in New Brunswick too for Team Canada.
1: Yeah, they're having pre-tournament games all over the province too. I think yeah. there's ones in like Annie Ganesh and Truro. Oh yeah, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's good. You got to share yeah. the love. Yeah, you I remember make when sure. I was in Finland for the for the Worlds. It was it was like that. We went to little towns and played our pre-tournament games there, and we were in these little cities and these little locker rooms, like the old Devonshire kind of thing. See, that's great. Yeah. As much as it's
2: a tight squeeze, I'm sure you're kind of pumped.
1: Yeah, it was cool. It was it was unique. It's something that you'll never never experience again. So yeah. it, it was cool at the time. That's great. Yeah,
2: um, the Saddle Dome.
1: hockey, and Calgary mm-hmm. in the NHL.
2: What's uh, what's that experience like going to training camp and and, and traveling from city to city?
1: So. You'd go to training camp at the start of September and out in Calgary, uh, it, it was pretty cold out there. I remember you'd get to Calgary on September fourth or September sixth, whatever it was, and there'd already be snow on the ground. September? Yeah, it was it was cold out there very very early in the season, and uh, you would do the rookie tournament out in Penticton. I think I did that for three or four years. Uh, you play in the Penticton bees, ranked there. Yeah. Play against I think it was Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Vancouver get those games in, go back to Calgary for camp, uh, the saddle dome, definitely an older rink. Uh, they're probably due for an upgrade there at some point, but, uh, still it's an NHL baron. It's 20,000 people. They've got a state of the art locker room. It's very, very nice. And, uh, they always put on a very good camp there.
2: Yeah. Canadian hockey market. Can't go wrong. They've all, they all have had it, uh, they got
1: it figured out they've been in the game for a long time yeah and they have the wind Sport center there too which is brand new uh that's like the hockey canada center that's out there yes, too. yeah yeah yeah, yeah does so, calgary
2: practice there
1: yeah so that's where they do their development camp uh, i think that we had the physical testing for the main camp there as well uh i want to say some of the even the practice and stuff are out at wind Sport for main camp every year okay and that uh that facility is uh, top of the line out there.
2: Was it Ginla in Calgary when you were there? Or was he moved on to Pittsburgh? No, he was not. He
1: was moved on at moved that point. Moved on. Yeah.
2: Who Who was the other goalie there in Calgary when you were there?
1: Uh, I think my first year it was Jonas Hiller. Yeah. And then Yoni Ortio okay. was the other guy. And then the years after that, uh, I can't even remember. It was kind of like a goalie say like a roller coaster there for a bit. Wow. Guys going in and out, and yeah, yeah. They kind of never solidified their number one until the last couple of years here with Markstrom.
2: I hear you. Yeah. He
1: played well last night, even though they lost to Montreal. He yeah, well. yeah. Lost in a shootout, I think. Yeah, yeah, it
2: was. Suzuki got the winner, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, they're
1: struggling to put goals in in front of him right now. So I know. Yeah. Um, what was the first, like, wow
2: NHL moment? Like, I remember Goodrow in the World Juniors playing for America. That kid was incredible. Like, do you remember him just, like, you know, in practice? Or was it the plane? Like, what was the first, like, just wow NHL moment?
1: I'd say it was getting to that main camp and getting in the locker room with those guys and realizing, like, holy crap, you're in the locker room with guys that are going to be playing in the NHL this year, and their shots on the ice are so much harder than what you see on TV and stuff. Really? You know, they're you come off the ice after practice, your hand, your love hand sore uh, after a practice like that. You know, there wasn't shots by your head. uh the the passing is unbelievable. The passing at that level you miss a pass and coach is getting pretty mad at you uh they don't miss too many passes up in the, up at that level. Really? Oh yeah. Did you get it did you get a game in against McDavid? I did, uh exhibition, I wanna say I Oh, at that Penticton No, I think this was at the Saddle Dome, like an actual NHL exhibition game. okay. Yeah, I think he had I think I played the third period, uh he might have had two assists on me in that third no. period though. Don't yeah. feel bad. They were nice assists too. Like you was a fed a guy I'm, I remember right out front, uh I can't I wanna say it was Drysidle and Dry buried on me and <laughs> he had another assist. I remember letting in those two goals pretty clearly.
2: Yeah, your yeah. lateral movement must have to be on another level at that at that level, at that league. Just going from side to side and you're saying these boys' passes are crisp on the tape oh, and then shot the just tape. like that. It's, it's
1: it's unbelievable, honestly. Just the how how fast they can zip that puck around and you know, being a goalie, playing junior before that, it's it's nowhere near what the what the NHL level was.
2: Yeah, see, I, I find, I've only seen, you know, a handful of NHL games live, but like you just said, it doesn't do it justice watching it on television compared to being there.
1: No, no, even at the rink, if you're sitting up top in the upper bowl, you cannot tell how like fast yeah. and crisp these guys are moving the puck around and how skilled they are batting the puck out of the air. You know, like you said yesterday, Matthew's flipping his stick to Riley like that. The amount of skill that these guys have is unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, to see it ice level and be playing with it, it's, it's pretty uh, pretty awesome.
2: I'd imagine. I I love uh, every time I've been to an NHL game, I try to go to warm-ups. Like, I try to get there super early just to watch because I think that's where you just see some of the most incredible skill of these guys. Just stick handling around the McDonald's sign. You know, just, just the puck control is unbelievable, world-class. And obviously, you don't see warm-ups on TV, but... No, no, that's Man. when these guys
1: are relaxed. They're kind of flipping the puck around, too, doing oh. their own thing. It's uh, That's when they put their skills to, to show.
2: Yeah, it's just, they have to just be completely obsessed with the game. Like, all day, a stick in their hand practicing.
1: Mm-hmm. All day. Yeah, that's how you make it to the NHL. you got to be in love with the game. If you don't love the game, uh, it's kind of hard to move on. And that's where I kind of realized that, uh, you know, my first couple of years of pro is where I kind of, you know, lost love for the game as much as I did it, uh, when I was younger. Yeah. And uh, I'd say that's why I'm not in the NHL today is cuz you know I didn't love it like the rest of the guys did.
2: What was it about the
1: game that you just didn't really like love the
2: aspect of the pro game you think?
1: Uh I'd say it was, you know, having pucks fired at you every day. Oh yeah? It was uh, yeah, I don't know, it kind of got old after a while and if you don't love if you don't love being a goalie and uh you know love every aspect of it like that, it's kind of hard to move up and continue your career. Yeah. So you know, I kind of realized, I think it was after COVID, I took a year off, and then I tried to come back at it last year with Tulsa. I went back, I loved it for the first couple of weeks, and then that love kind of just died off, and I realized that, you know, it's not something I want to do for the rest of my life. Interesting. And so uh, that's kind of how, how it all uh, fizzled down. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. you know, at
2: least you figured it out. Like, at least yeah. you realized that now, than the time you're 36. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not a huge uh, fan of this
1: move yeah. on yeah i know a lot of guys that are still playing just because you know paycheck they, they don't know what else to do in life and that's just not how i really want to live anymore uh you know i loved it for a long time and that love kind of died for it so i realized it was uh it was time
2: yeah i know yeah. you know i'm not going to mention any names but i know some guys that are just there for the paycheck yeah it is what it is
1: yeah and you i respect can't. those guys you know yeah. if, if that's what you want to oh. do then you know credit to you it's uh, i respect it and it's just not something I was interested in doing anymore.
2: For sure. Yeah. So the next step, what are you interested in? What What do you like to do? It's It's a, I remember having this conversation with myself when I came out a junior. I didn't really know. I knew who I was, but I didn't know who I was because yeah. I was just the hockey guy. Yeah, so I'm that still, uh, yeah, still
1: kind of trying to figure that out. Uh, you know, I went to UPEI for a year and a half and kind of just stopped doing school after that. So I don't really have too much of an education to fall back on. Okay. Uh, I've applied to firefighting, I've thought about getting into policing, uh, I'm trying to get into the Coast Guard, so those are just kind of a couple options that I'm kind of trying to work on. It's not something I'm too worried about right now, but, uh, you know, eventually it'll be nice to hopefully have a career someday that it'll, you'll do for the next 20 years. Awesome. And, yeah. I feel like we got a, a nice jam guy here.
2: <laughs>
1: we're short some bodies i was saying that to him yesterday we got we got we got a, maybe a commentator or a camera guy yeah i know everybody uh, you know i bartend so i get a lot of customers that come in and they tell me you know you have a great voice for radio you do. yeah and people tell me this all the time i say i get it like four or five times a week and you know it's something i've thought about and considered for sure but i don't know i just don't have the experience at it uh, so. Dude, that's what we're here for. We'll yeah, give you all yeah. the experience you want. <laughs> yeah. All right, good stuff. Yeah, we'll chat after this. Yeah, have you ever so have you ever done it? Have you ever I've never done it, you no? You never commentated. No, I've never. No. Oh yeah? No. I always thought that'd be a cool thing
2: in junior. Like if I was a commentator for like a junior hockey team and there was a guy who's like a healthy scratcher like hers, I John Moore used to do it with the moose heads. Like there'd be like a, a guy who was hurt or a healthy scratch and he'd be like, come over to the booth and just help me like kinda call a game. Yeah,
1: I think George Matthews had me on in Charlottetown. Did he? When I might have been hurt or something like that. And he had me up there for a period or two, kind of just, you know, shooting the shit, talking. uh, But it wasn't uh, anything too serious. Like, I wasn't calling the game, calling what he was doing. He was kind of just up there, kind of talking like this, back and forth.
2: Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Well, that's... Well, that's the thing with us commentating. It's just one guy. So like anytime we hire a guy, they always say that's the biggest challenge. They go, There's it's just it's tough because there's no one to talk to. It's just you. But at the same time, that helps your skill because it makes you have conversations with yourself and then it makes you commentate on the game. It's it's a challenge, but we just we can't afford to hire two commentators and a camera guy. So yeah. it's just like it makes it it makes it tough, but if you can do it, you can do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the guys that I always liked listening to was Vin Scully because yeah. he would not stop moving his mouth the whole time. He could talk about you know anything. Well, he's drunk half the time. Yeah, yeah. Chicago. <laughs> <sure. laughs> yeah, no, but he uh, he just he would talk and talk and talk, and it was baseball too. So like. You know, there's only so much you can talk about in baseball, but, you know, you turn on Sunday Night Baseball and he would just be talking and talking and talking. And
2: Are we Vince Scully? That's Chicago or that's L.A.? L.A.
1: Chicago. L.A., Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who am I thinking about? Yeah, he in had Chicago? passed away in the last year or so. Yes. Yeah. I'm
2: sorry. Vince Scully was not the drunk guy. I, for actually, Vince Scully, I can't believe I made mess that up. It won't be the last time. I saw his third last game in L.A. They played against the Colorado Rockies and I got a pin and, uh, The whole team came out, waved to him, said thank you. It wasn't his last game, but it was, like, his third last game. Unbelievable.
1: Dodger Stadium's crazy. Yeah, no, I've never been out there to the Dodger Stadium, but uh, heard good things. And, you know, that's pretty cool how you got that from Vin Scully. Yeah, it was random.
2: Like, I was just in L.A. with my girlfriend, and we just went to this Rockies game. and I didn't didn't even know who he was, you know. But yeah, it was a really cool experience. But no, the guy I was thinking of was the the old announcer for Chicago, back in the era, with like, oh man, I remember Bill Murray was always in the booth with him because Bill Murray's a Chicago guy. Okay, what's his name?
1: Yeah, the only one that sticks out in the NHL to me is Jack Edwards because uh, he makes a lot of headlines nowadays with some of the stuff that he's saying. Yeah, the maroon, the body yeah, fat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he is, he's uh, definitely an outspoken commentator. Yeah, I lo- I don't know. I don't mind I,
2: I don't. There's no really outspoken commentators anymore, is there?
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, he just says a lot of controversial stuff, yeah. I guess, is what you could say.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no controversial stuff anymore, so I don't mind it. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. If mm-hmm. he comes out and says something, and eh, go with the flow, I
1: guess. Yeah, it makes a big social media buzz for a day or so. And yeah. Yeah, kind of just nobody talks about it after that. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
2: And Boston, too. It kind of fits the personality.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, Boston. That's how uh, I
2: feel about Marchant. It's like, he's born to play for that team.
1: Mm-hmm. he like, was meant to he, he's meant to play on the Boston yeah.
2: Bruins who else could he play for he's just that's he yeah. who he is
1: yeah just a pest yeah. kind of fits right in there Chara being there all those years you know they need mean assholes on that team so
2: absolutely yeah. and to have the commentator do the ascent not that he's an asshole but he kind of is it just I don't know it's Boston yeah. you can't change Boston
1: no it's no. Boston yeah <laughs> you need they need to keep, uh, to keep that kind of culture with the team you know the mean big bad Bruins <laughs> You know, that's how they win. So, yeah. Who yeah. was your team growing up? It was Boston. Was it? Yeah.
2: How did the yeah. Boston connection come?
1: I think my dad. Oh, yeah. He was a Bruins fan. And then Tim Thomas growing up, you know, he was, He had some of the best years as a oh, yeah. goalie that's ever played in the league. So. Won a cup. Yeah. Yeah. He was fantastic that year. I think he won the Vezina and, yeah. and the Consmate, maybe. I don't know. He was fantastic, though, in those playoffs. Old school helmet.
2: Yeah. Rarely talked to the media yeah he was, up, he, was the one of the, he was
1: probably one of the weirdest goalies that there was so yeah yeah maybe well that's said. why i looked up to him so much well said
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's why i looked up to him so much but he was he just didn't care he had like phil kessel vibes just didn't care what anyone thought just yeah i'm gonna do what i gotta do and
1: did I'm his gonna... own thing and it worked really well for him yes yeah did
2: his own thing and it worked really well for him same but another great example of the boston market You know, just going there. You can go to that market and have a little bit of an edge, have a little bit of a fuck you type attitude, and I'm going to do what i got to do to win, and he proved it to everyone that he won.
1: Yeah, no, he was just, you go back and watch some of those highlights. He makes saves that, you know, his body turns different ways, and he doesn't even look like a goalie out there sometimes. He kind of looks like a rover, and the way he played nets, he didn't have, like, a stance. He kind of just, like, stood there and flopped around sometimes. He was a very unorthodox goalie. Interesting. Yeah. Who was a goalie
2: that you admired growing up?
1: It was him, kind of the way he played.
2: Yeah, but you didn't really play that way. No, no, you... I,
1: I didn't have the body to play like that. He was kind of shorter. I'm 6-4. I had to play kind of like the boxier type, like yeah. the Carey Price. Like obviously Carey Price was the guy that everybody looked up to kind of in the later later years of my teens and stuff because he was like he was so set to every puck. He was like he was like a robot out there almost. He was so good. Yeah. Like he was like a perfect ro- Carey Price was almost like a perfect the perfect goaltender, the way he moved—it's how uh, you know a lot of kids wanted to play.
2: I saw—I lived in Vancouver for a bit, and I saw him a couple times in Vancouver, and that's an incredible description of him. Robot didn't mm-hmm. look real. Just no, he you know was how so people calm. joke around and they do this thing. Like,
1: yeah, he was so calm, so cool, and collected in the net. He barely showed any emotion. Like nobody could rattle him. He was always set and always ready for the play. He was, you know, he was. In his prime, he was like probably the best goalie that had ever played.
2: I remember where there was one play in Vancouver. I saw the Canucks dump the puck in, and there was a hard four checker. And the, the four checker was past the defenseman, so he was the first guy to the puck. This guy from Vancouver, Carey Price, just casually, Mason, when I say casually, casually goes behind the net, takes one look over his left shoulder, takes one look over his right shoulder as this guy's, you know, eight feet away from him over his left shoulder just rims it around as the wingers right there but his shoulders were so low he just calmly went back didn't struggle to get back there I was so impressed by
1: it yeah that's how the best goalies that play the puck do it they go back there calm collected they're not panicking they're not throwing the puck up the middle throwing you know pancakes right up into the slots yeah they kind of just do what's simple and if playing it around the glass like that's the simple play then your defenseman will love you at the end of the day because they're not coming back and getting ran into the corner by some big third line, fourth line enforcer. and
2: I loved it when, uh, when I was a centerman and I was wheeling behind the net when a goalie would just kind of touch it, just place it a little bit for me where I'm not grabbing it like this, but I can grab it like this. I loved when a goalie did
1: that. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite parts of playing the game was getting out of the net and you know kind of reminiscing my forward days of being able to pass the puck and move the puck up to my defenseman, they, and they really liked me for it.
2: And I love when a goalie talked as well. belly pressure, pressure, belly, you're good, belly, you're good, belly, you're good. I loved when a goalie had good communication skills.
1: Yeah, no, you have to to be like that as a goalie. You have to kind of help your defenseman, let them know when the pressure's on, if they're about to get ran or if they're about to get, you know, pressured by somebody. It's a lot easier if you have a sixth guy on the ice yelling at you to help you free the play, then than it is to just not say anything at all 100 I was never a big
2: penalty kill guy but we did have a goalie back in junior and he was always talking on the penalty kill even if it was obvious the pucks on the right point he would just go right point and it's just like I know he's there but like it, it just helped I don't know it, it just it was always nice just to have a sense of a guy just screaming his head off knowing uh
1: he's aware of the puck yeah yeah and even if your defenseman talking to you too if there's somebody back door and you haven't seen them you haven't done your shoulder check yet uh it's uh, it goes both ways I had a buddy growing up,
2: and he was a goalie, and he had a really interesting take on screens, like blocking a shot. And he didn't like it. He's like, I get it. You got to block a shot. But he's like, that's kind of what I'm here for. How how do you feel about, like, defensemen or people at the point blocking shots? Or would you rather just come through?
1: I'd say there's definitely a time and a place for it. You know, you always have, like, the old Don Cherry saying of, like, defensemen, when a guy's coming down one-on-one, keep your stick out of it. Because a lot of goals do go in like that, off guys' sticks. But if a guy's going out to block a shot with his body – it's a lot, I'd say that's a lot easier to make the save on than okay. him trying to get his stick into the way. Because the stick, I remember there was a lot of times where guys would just get the puck ramped off their stick. It would change directions by a millimeter, and that's how the goal would go in. But uh, blocking shots, I'd say anybody that's going to go out and block a shot's a warrior, and uh, I respect that. see Tanev last night? Oh, yeah, he took one to the face, the didn't face.
2: he? face, like, yeah. it, 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 I, you know,
1: he, was, he was down for a bit. Like yeah, it, that's, it tough. that's tough to it was, see. It was a bad one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you never know what, what part of the face it hit, To I didn't see too much on it, but it's never nice to see somebody go down like that. Yeah, there was no blood on the
2: ice, which makes me think it was like the higher cheekbone. which right. The higher right. cheekbone, you're cracking that. Yeah, you got to get one good. by the eye, like you're no. in a
1: concussion territory, like you just never know.
2: That's no good.
1: Yeah. Um, How much time are we at?
2: Hour. Uh, Hour right now? Holy smokes, Mason. You know how to talk. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I haven't done this in a long time. It's probably been a year or two since I've actually sat down and talked about hockey like this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You like it? I do. I don't mind it. It's, uh, you know, I'm a pretty humble person. I don't really like to talk about any accomplishments or any achievements that I've done in life too much. But uh, it's not too bad just sitting down, just kind of shooting the shit like this and talking about it. Good stuff. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think you got an act for it. Like, yeah, I really thanks. want you to come, like, after this, I, we should... Talk about ice jam, because we're short commentators.
1: Yeah, no, I would definitely be interested in trying that out. Right, like cool. I said, everybody, everybody at the restaurant always tells me I have a good voice for it. So, oh yeah, may as well test it out.
2: All right, I like yeah. it. Yeah. All right, well, Mace, I want to thank you, brother, for coming on. You're the man. I'll probably see you
1: at the gym today.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope to be seeing a lot more of you coming up. We got a lot of work, and hopefully, you know, we can work together and make something happen.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me out here. You know, I've listened to your podcast for many years, and it's uh, nice to finally be on here. Man, that, that's humbling, knowing that you listened for many years, man. Really, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right,
2: uh, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. Once again, Mace, you're the man for coming on. Uh, work hard, have fun. World Juniors are around the corner. Get the buzz going in the city. Street interviews
0: coming soon. We are out. Peace. This ain't a wave or a phase, cause all that shit fades. This lifestyle's forever when you made. They tweet about the length I made him wait. What the fuck you expect when a nigga got a cape and he's great? Ovens full of cakes that he bakes, steel spread and paste love just accentuates the hate this is for my bodybuilding clients moving weight just add water stir it like a shake play amongst the stars like the roof in the wraith get the table next to mine make our bottle servers race these are the games we play we are the names they say this is the drug money your ex nigga claim he makes to all of my young niggas i am your ghost and your raid this is my purple tape save up for rainy days and baby mama wishes along with the side bitches they Try to coexist, end up wishing you die, bitches. Stood on every couch in the A at the black party. No jury on, but you richer than everybody. You laugh a little louder. The DJ say your name a little prouder. And we don't need a globe to show you the world is ours. We can bet a hundred thousand with my safe hold. My numbers looking like a bank code. These are the games we play, we are the names they say. This is the drug money your ex-nigga claim he made. No stopping the champagne from popping the drawers, from dropping the laws, from watching. with you back shopping, the cars and the women come with options. Caviar officials remove the toxins. This ain't for the conscious. This is for the mud-made monsters who grew up on legends from out of Yonkers. Influenced by niggas straight out of Compton. The scale never lies. I'm 2.2 incentivized. If you ain't energized like the bunny for drug money or been paralyzed by the sight of a drug mummy, this ain't really for you this is for the goya Montoya, who said i couldn't stop then afforded me all the lawyers the only kingpin who ain't sinking chess moves and made my third eye ain't blinking stay woke nigga or get out Still pull them whips out, still spread the chips out Might buy your bitch some new hips and yank a rib out The message in this music, all my niggas had to live out These are the games we play, we are the names they say This is the drug money your ex nigga claim he made